Today's show brought to you by Redcon1.com. That's right. Click the link at the bottom of the podcast app in which you are listening to this on. Check them out. Use promo code T20Quartermiss. That's right. Redcon1.com. There's nothing special about being American. None of you can define for me what an American is. I am the nation. I was born on July 4th, 1776, and the Declaration of Independence is my birth certificate. The bloodlines of the world run in my veins because I offered freedom to the oppressed. I am many things and many people. I am the nation. I am 200 million living souls and the ghost of millions who have lived and died for me. I am Nathan Hale and Paul Revere. I stood at Lexington and fired the shot heard around the world. Washington, Jefferson, Patrick Henry, and John Paul Jones, the Green Mountain Boys, Davy Crockett. I'm Lee. Coming to you from the DTOM studios in the free state of Florida, sponsored by Maker's Mark Bourbon. This is Don't Tread on America. I'm your host, Don Q. It's April 10th, 2023. It's Monday. Yeah. Let's let this music rock on. Here we go. guys how's everybody doing out there today uh hope the sound is sounding okay um still working with my dilapidated uh phasing out two-year-old soundboard uh still haven't seen no donations man come on man what's up i'm looking at a nice yamaha this is a pile of shit <laughs> no uh the brand Pyle, P-Y-L-E. It was, it was, it's good. I mean, it's decent enough. Um, I'll be honest with you. When I, when I bought the thing, when I, when Chris and I were starting the podcast, I think I paid a hundred dollars for it. Um, I think all in, I was a hundred, I think 50 or something for the microphone and then another 20 or whatever for the headphones. Didn't want to break the bank because obviously didn't know how long I was going to keep on keeping on with this. But, you know, over two years later, here we are. So I think, I think it's time to update some of the equipment around here. Um, maybe, I don't know that I need a new mic. I would like something less obtrusive. But I do need a new soundboard. So anyway, we're going to make do until uh, I can scrape together some money. Because the Yamaha ones are better, but you obviously pay for better. Anywho, if you guys are so inclined to help a brother out, you can uh, find me at www.donttreadonmerica.com. 
hit me a message, you know, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 250 bucks, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to, no, I'm joking, but you know, in all honesty, I know we're all working folks here, you know, my, my, my niche is uh, I work a full-time job, do a part-time podcast, I make zero pennies on this, I actually lose money doing this, and it's fine because, like I've said before, I do this as a hobby. So, you know, try to get you a show in three days a week. I feel like the stuff I talk about is just as good, if not better, than uh, some of the big boys, you know. And uh, I will not do a Patreon. I'll not do a premium. I won't do any of that stuff. I My hope is to one day get spon- like real deal sponsors that pay me to pimp their products, as long as it's products that I can get behind. And uh, with that being said, this next portion of the show is brought to you by Bud Light. JK, yeah, that'll never happen. Like I said before, you want to protest, you know, I've been banning, I've been uh, protesting uh, Bud Light since I was 15. Because it's just garbage, for real. And this has nothing to do with that chick dude on the cover, or on the can, whatever. Anyway, on to the on to the show. Like I said, it's not a big deal. I'm trying to get things together, buy some new equipment. Like I said, if you guys enjoy what you're, if, if you enjoy me hitting the microphone, <laughs> then you know whatever. But if you don't enjoy me hitting the microphone and you like the sound to be a little bit better, then uh, you know, help me out a little bit. You know. Anyway, so. I got a show for you today. I've been building on this show for, for a couple of weeks, and there's been so much other crap that's been going on. And the reason I haven't really focused a whole lot on this stuff is it's because it's stuff that I've already covered. And like I said on the last show, you know what, I was going to talk about this stuff today. I was, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's easy that I'm sitting here talking to you about this stuff that I talked to you about well over a year ago. Okay, now, mind you, when I discussed this back March 25th, it's actually two different shows. It was March 25th and July 7th, I think, somewhere around there. Two different shows, two different topics. I'm going to meld them together today and show you how one has to do with the other and versa visa, right? No, vice versa, vice versa. And um, we'll get all that together and I'm going to play clips from the show that I did over a year ago. And you can understand my frustration now. And what I mean by that is, like I said on, on the show the other day, here you have just some dude. Now, I know it's crazy old Don, you know, for the, for the handful of people that know me, that actually know me, that listen to the show, and you know what I do for a living, you might be like, what the fuck does this guy know? He's just fucking working a job. What, is, what does he know about any of this stuff? Let me clue you in on a few things. I'm smart. No. Here's the, here's the deal. In all honesty, my wife, we, we and, and this is why the show, sometimes I have to not do a show here and there, is because we rarely see each other. And maybe that's the, the keys to, to success. I don't know. But in all honesty... Um, I'm usually coming home from work because I usually am home 10, 10-ish, 10, 10, 30 in the morning. And she's usually heading out to work if she's not already at work. So we might see each other 
an hour a day. Seriously. And then there's some days we don't see each other. I might be two or three days before I see her. Um, but what I'm getting at is this. It enables me to do things that I want to do. It enables me to do, to do this show. It enables me to go to the gym, to do yard work, to do the things that guys have to do on a daily basis, right? But the kicker is when it's raining and I can't mow the yard and I have already done a show and um, there's really nothing else going on. It's not a gym day. You know, I'm getting old. I don't go to the gym five, six days a week like I used to. What else is there to do? So I span the internet. I listen to, while I'm at work, I'll listen to other podcasts, mainstream podcasts for the most part, unless there's a subject that I want to talk about, then I try to search that subject. And lo and behold, what I'm going to talk about today, oddly enough, when I searched this subject, only one podcast popped up. And guess who it was? That's right, us, right here, D-Tom. And it, and it irks me that no one's making that connection to Operation Sandman and what's going on right now. The operation is in effect. We want to talk about BRICS, and we want to talk about China and Russia and India and all these countries that are involved in the BRICS. It's actually BRICS Plus now because you have Saudi and Iran and Turkey and uh, there, was, there was a couple other countries that are, oh, Pakistan, I think was another one. And um, and you'll understand when I, t when I replay some of the parts of the show that I did last year and I mentioned those countries before, no one's still not talking about Operation Sandman, but this was before even anyone was talking about bricks. So now you have mainstream podcast, some nationally syndicated radio shows, some TV people starting to talk about bricks and the devaluation of the dollar and all that fun stuff. But before we get into all that, let me tell you about our next sponsor, and that's Christian Lawson Watches. Check them out at christianlawson.com. Don't forget to use promo code DTOM at checkout to get 30 percent off your purchase price that's d-t-o-m 30 percent off check them out christianlawson.com all right so for i don't know close to 100 years roughly the united states has been the global currency and and i know 100 years 80 years whatever that exact number is it, it, it's inconsequential because we don't we don't think about it people that most of everybody that's listening to the show no matter what country you're in, whether you're in America, and we, we are heard all over the globe because we are that big. But <laughs> you guys understand what I'm talking about, especially if you live in Europe and, and other countries, where, wherever those countries may be. And I'll break the currency numbers down and you'll understand more about, about what I'm talking about. You understand if you live in Spain and England and France and, you know, these European countries, some Asian countries and stuff, the guy, the folks that are listening to this that live in those countries, you know what I'm talking about when I tell you. I can roll over there with a $10 bill, a $20 bill, and use that money. And it's like, oh, shit, American money. I'm, I'm not lying when I tell you this. Granted, nowadays, most people use credit cards or debit cards or whatever. 
and the exchanges are, are automatic, they're done by the bank. But go, <laughs> if you were to ever take a trip into some of these countries, especially when I give you the exchange rates of some of these countries, and you just take, say you take $200 in cash, okay, now granted you might pay for your hotel and, and whatnot with, with the credit card or a debit card or whatever you use, but if you just carried 200 in cash, and I'm not even talking big bills, I'm talking ones, fives, and tens, seriously, and tip somebody a $1 bill. In America, you're a cheap son of a bitch, right? But in, uh, in uh, let, me, let me look at this real quick. <laughs> in Venezuela, <laughs> you just freaking made their day. Because their exchange rate is, what is that, 2 million <laughs> of whatever their dollar is called, the Bolivar. One dollar American money. Okay. Um, Turkish lire is twenty dollars, fifty cents. Or I'm sorry, five cents in America is uh, is twenty. So you can understand what what I'm trying to say. Now, there's other countries that that their money's worth more than ours, or close to ours. And and when we say global currency, that's why. It's a big deal because I don't know exactly how many countries there are in this world. I'm not going to count them. I don't care. But the majority of those countries use U.S. currency. They don't even print their own money. They use us. And <clears throat> it's been like that, not, not just about American. It, other countries, other areas have gone through this. So initially, way back when, in the 17th century, the first European banknotes were issued by Stockholm's Bankel, founded by Johann Palmstruck, okay? So you got to think, back in the 1600s, they were just exploring the New World, right? So the majority of your population was in Europe and Western well, you know, all of Europe into Russia, the Middle East, you know, that was the majority of your population was there. A population that used money. Uh, let, me, let me rephrase that. Civilized population, that's what we'll call it. Because obviously there were people living in America and South America. We didn't know that at the time. And there were people living in parts of, you know, through, all throughout Africa and all throughout... <laughs> Um, Australia, and, and wherever. And we didn't know that because we hadn't explored those areas. And when, when the people came to the New World, to America, to South America, and, and parts in between, they discovered these savages, right? But those people didn't use money. They bartered. They traded eggs for whatever. So that was your first, quote-unquote, global currency. Because even prior to that, it was... I would say even probably in this time frame, a lot of people didn't use money. They probably, there was probably more bartering than you, like you've seen middle-aged movies, right? I'll give you two shillings for the chicken or whatever. You know, it's that type of currency. But in the 17th, late 17th and uh, 18th centuries, the use of silver Spanish dollars 
were used. So what happened was, as people progressed, and they discovered metals, and they discovered ways to melt and smelt and combine and make stuff, um, uh, silver and gold and stuff like that became valuable. Now, you can ask the question, back, back in those days, why, why was that stuff? Why? How do I? I guess you could ask, why is silver and gold valuable? Now, nowadays, we can make the argument that platinum and, and silver and gold and these, these, these metals, copper even, are valuable because they can be used as conductors, right? Gold's a great conductor of electricity, silver too. Um, <clears throat> and you see the big push for, you know, solar panels and electric cars and all this crap. And that kind of stuff is used in that. So silver, th those things are valuable because of that. But two, three, four hundred years ago, why in the hell was silver and gold valuable? Because it was shiny. It was pretty. It didn't... It didn't... <laughs> the only value it held was to the people that thought it was valuable, if that makes any sense to me. And that's kind of what Chris's mindset is. Damn, that ice already melt. Mm. But that's Chris's mindset, too. When you're listening to other podcasts and shows and whatnot, and they're like, oh, buy silver, buy gold. If everything goes to shit, <laughs> and, and this is where I kind of understand what he's talking about. <clears throat> Excuse me. What what good is gold and silver? If there's no technology, if there's no economy, if there's no, it's other than it being pretty, who cares? I need to eat food. I need water. I need, you know, whatever. I don't give a shit about gold and silver. So I understand that argument, but you have to ask the question, why three, four, hundred years ago was gold valuable? Who cares? So, like I said, it's only valuable to the people it matters to, if that makes any sense. So, and then that turned into Sterling, United Kingdom. So, for the most, for a long time, up until the early 1900s, um, the United Kingdom, their money was the world currency. And then shortly around 1944, right around the end of um, World War II, you had the Bretton Woods Conference, and the exchange rates around the world were pegged to the U.S. dollar. And you've probably been hearing a lot of this lately, so I don't want to dull you with everything, but essentially... Back then, <clears throat> our money was backed by gold, okay? And it was also backed by the U.S. might. We just kicked Japan and Germany's ass. As far as the globe and, and the people of Europe and, and the people of the world were concerned, we, the United States, was numero uno. We were the big dogs, right? Right? And it was at that point that not only was our currency super valuable, not because of the gold that we held in Fort Knox or wherever, but because of our military might. People were, <laughs> not for nothing, but for lack of a better term, our money was valuable because people were afraid of us. 
We just nuked. I mean, it wasn't nuclear, but you know what I'm saying. Japan. We fried those motherfuckers. And what are you going to do about it? Because back then, no one else had that technology. You see what I'm saying? So 80 years ago, <laughs> we were waving our dicks around thinking we're the, we're the shit. And there's nothing you're going to do about it. Because look, we just fucking barbecued a bunch of damn Japanese people. You want some? You you want some? So essentially, to dumb it down, we were bullies, and we took their lunch money, and and I mean, in all honesty, that's what it boils down to, and and we were swinging our dicks so big that in the seventies, Nixon took us off the gold standard, and that's when it turned into the petrodollar. We backed our money with oil. Now, that's not to say that oil isn't valuable, but you have to you have to hold whatever whatever you have, you have to hold. Well, Dipshit McGee in the White House is constantly selling off our strategic oil reserves. We don't have oil to hold. We're selling it to the mid-range bidder. God only knows how much, if any, gold is in Fort Knox or anywhere else for that matter. So, people around the world are starting to get worried. So, also, in the past, I mean, not for nothing, but in the past 50 years or so, we haven't been so successful militarily. Now, that's not to say that our military is weak, and I'm not saying that by any stretch of the imagination. But, look at Korea. Look at Vietnam. I'm going to take Desert Storm out of the equation, because we pretty much kicked ass. But look at um, Afghanistan. Look at the Middle East again. Look at the stuff we've dealt with with ISIS and... um, you know, those individuals in the Middle East. When it comes to war, we might have the technology, but it's almost like we don't have the the willpower, if that if that's the word I want to use there. You think if you had a, a grandfather or great-grandfather that fought in World War II, if you've ever had a conversation with a World War II vet, and this isn't to, to diminish Korean or Vietnam vets or anyone like that, but those guys are on a different level. You hear some of the stories about World War II, and it's a whole nother story. And I think America's arrogance of our military might is what our downfall is. We're like the undefeated football team going into a game against the 0-10 whoever's, and we're just going to run them over because they're 0-10, we're undefeated. We haven't lost a game in three years, and then we got our ass kicked. You understand what I'm saying? So now what's happening is you have Russia and you have China and you have these countries that are kind of sick of our bullshit. And they're pushing back on the bully. Now, the BRICS nations, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, along with Saudi and Turkey and Iran and Pakistan and whoever else is jumping in the mill, um individually none of those countries can hold a candle to our gdp but collectively 
they outpopulate. I mean, I, I shouldn't even say collectively outpopulate the USA. Hell, China or India do that. But you put all of those groups together, then it's a different story. Now, mind you, if you took America along with all the NATO members, and if you compare NATO to the BRICS, and that's your two factions, it's it's just a pissing contest at this point. But we're not talking about militarily might. We're talking about monetary might. Okay? There's not a NATO dollar bill. Not yet. And I think that's what we're looking at right now. When we talk about global currency, we, right now, you have a discussion with anybody about global currency. It's whatever it is, it's traded in the U.S. dollar. Okay? Will it become a situation where there is no uh, what were they, Spanish dollars or sterling dollars or U.S. dollars or the euro, will that stuff go away and will it be a single world currency? Which would be, now some some are calling it, the you know, like a super currency um, and the name is D-E-Y, day, however you want to pronounce it, and that basically combines the dollar, euro, and the and the yen. But even even doing that, it takes the ruble, it takes the yuan, it takes these other countries that are in the BRICS. It takes their money out of the mix. So you're forcing China and Russia and whoever else to adapt to this currency. Well, they're already pissed at. America now, why do you think they're going to be on board with this? So I think it's a situation where we've been hearing a lot about C- CBDCs, right? It's central bank digital currencies. Now, that could possibly be your global currency. Now, when we say NATO versus the BRICS, I don't even know that NATO per se, because some of those countries that I mentioned are in NATO. So would they forfeit their NATO, their whatever it is, uh, inclusion and, and move to the BRICS? Or is it more of a WEF, World Economic Forum, versus the BRICS? And then you have to ask the question, why India and China don't get along so why would those two countries want to be involved with each other why would china and russia they're kind of teaming up and that should have a lot of people nervous not because of this necessarily but other reasons but then you hear uh, sanctions so when the whole russia ukraine thing started it was like we're gonna put sanctions on your on uh russia Right, we're going to sanction their wheat. We're going to sanction their oil. Blah blah blah. And I said on a show back then, it's not going to phase them, and it didn't because they force people. <laughs> they still are a major exporter of wheat and oil, amongst other things. You didn't sanction them to shit because we can only sanction countries that use the dollar. So what Russia did. They forced <laughs> these countries to buy, not to force them to buy their oil, but it was kind of like, look, you want our oil? That's cool. You're going to pay us in gold, or you're going to transfer your money to our money, 
or you know transfer gold to the to the ruble and buy it and and people did that countries did that because what are you going to do we're not producing oil to sell to whoever right you just heard about i talked about it a week or so ago where france and china just inked a deal on natural gas well china doesn't even produce natural gas so who in the fuck do you think that natural gas is coming from brazil is in the mix signing deals with china for 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 different situations and all of that's being paid for by using the yuan chinese money not us money so what happens when all that money that countries used to use for us or you know american money it comes back to us now you start to delve into to the branch of possible hyperinflation because now there's more money chasing fewer goods. So a dollar might not be worth a dollar, might be worth 50 cents or a quarter or whatever, but it's still a dollar. What that means is a dollar is still a dollar, but now that dollar piece of candy bar is $5 or $10 or $100. Do you understand? That's hyperinflation. Your dollar is still going to be a dollar and the five and 10 and so on and so forth. It's the things around it that are going to be ridiculous. And I think that's why you're starting to hear a lot about the CBDC because it's a way to control the money. If you, uh, if you are a person that has money in a drawer, money in your sock, money in a shoe, money in a shoebox, you know, whatever, whether it's a, you know, a couple hundred bucks, a couple thousand bucks, you know, whatever it is, cool. They switch to CBDC. That money isn't worth shit. Now, mind you, in my state of Florida, our governor said the CBDCs can go fuck themselves. But, you know, once again, something I already discussed. So it's a situation where <clears throat> all these things, you every country for the most part has a quote unquote central bank. Like in America, we had the Federal Reserve. Now, I've told you guys in the past, the Bank of England, the Bank of France, and these different central banks of most countries are not operated, I should even say owned and operated by that country. So we'll talk about America, for example, because this is Don't Tread on America. Um, mind you, everything I'm talking about here is world-related, so just bear with me. The Federal Reserve, even though it's covered up by a shiny name like Federal, it's not a federal agency. It's kind of like saying Federal Express is not a federal agency. It's a fucking independent private business. And um, <clears throat> who owns that? So, back again, did a story, show back about the Rothschilds, NWO. Um, I encourage you to go listen to it if you haven't already. But you can go back. If you listen to the show, cool. If not, you can do your own research. Um, I don't recall when I did the show exactly. It was probably back in August, I think, of last year, somewhere around there. Um, and it goes through this, I go through the story of the Rothschilds, how they started, why they started, how they got their name, and how 
the Suns essentially created the central banking system throughout the world. Now, there's only three countries in the world without a Rothschild's-owned central bank, Cuba, North Korea, and Iran. The U.S. Federal Reserve, like I said, is a privately owned company controlled by the Rothschilds. And it prints the money for the U.S. government. That's where your inflation, that's where those numbers come from. A dollar is not a dollar. And we borrow, that's where you see the, the debt, like the debt clock. It's like, well, who are we in debt to? These motherfuckers are who we in debt to. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they, people, you know, like you hear, why, why is it so important for this war? Why, why do we care? Why do we keep on pumping money into this situation? Why do we care? Oh, we got to stop the evil uh, Putin. I don't think it has anything to do with that. I don't think we, if we really gave a shit about stopping Putin, we would go to fucking war with him. We wouldn't use this ragtag bunch of fucking poor individuals in Ukraine to fight the war. It's a proxy war. And who's the proxy? What's your global elites? And it's a way for them to get their money back. Well, how do you say? Because they own the fucking military contracts. The companies that were sending all this military might to Ukraine to fight these wars. Who do you think's getting that money? These people. So you get into the whole situation of of these transactions. And it's it's interesting to me that as far as we know, I should say this. I shouldn't say that none of this happened under Trump. Because we don't know that for certain. But we know about it now. And look who's in quote-unquote charge. And I'll say, I say it like that because as bad as most people hated Trump, right? If this type of stuff was going on back then. And I'm not talking about the bricks and the Sandman thing because I think that was in motion Years ago, I mean, before Trump, I might even say before Obama, I think a lot of this had to do under Clinton and Bush's thing because of their extraterrestrial, not, uh, extraterrestrial, that's probably, probably more under Bush because all the bullshit that Bush did, W, not daddy, I mean, daddy, yeah, but not, not him necessarily, but because of 9-11, because of the weapons of mass destruction bullshit, I think that was a catalyst. This is just my personal opinion that sparked the creation of Operation Sandman. Because I think it was at that point that a lot of people were like, not people here necessarily, although we should have been like this, because we didn't, we were blinded by the story we were being told of 9-11. But the rest of the world was like, this is bullshit. And... I'm going to go ahead and say it because we've been trying to do a 9-11 show for fucking since we started doing this show. But there's a lot of people out there that says 9-11 was a a false flag. And uh, is it true or not? I don't know. Hopefully, that's a show for another day. (laughs) But um, words. When that happened... Okay, false flag or not, let's assume for shits and giggles, 
what we know of 9-11 was what really happened. We're just going to go with that story for now. Regardless of that fact, or let's use that quote-unquote fact, who, who were we told did that? Well, it was Saudi Arabian people and Osama bin Laden, blah, 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 right? Who did we invade after that? We didn't go into Saudi Arabia. We didn't go into Afghanistan. Look, I mean, we did look for Obama. Uh, Obama. <laughs> we did look for <laughs> the fuck Bin Laden. Jesus, Obama. Whatever. But we invaded Iraq again, looking for weapons of mass destruction, and that in itself was a bullshit situation. But even if it weren't a bullshit bullshit situation. They had nothing to do with with 9-11. But what see what happened was Bush used that opportunity of brown people uh hijacking planes, killing Americans, downing the Twin Towers, and so on and so forth, to get the ire of the American people up so hard that we we're like, yeah, fuck them all, let's get them. You know, and that's and that's what happened. Essentially. Now, that's, I think, where a lot of people's conspiracy theories fall in line on 9-11 of, the, of it being a false flag. And, like I said, story for another day. But what I want to get into real quick is I'm going to play this portion from the show from last year, from last March. Not this past March, but the year, year before. And... The reason I'm doing this is I have the notes from that show, okay? I can sit here and read what I read on that show, but the reason I'm not going to do that is because I actually listened to this show today while I was at work because, you know, I loved the sound of my voice. So sultry and sweet. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> but the reason I did that is because I know I just didn't read a script. I know I just wasn't in there like, and on this day, blah, 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 blah. I mean, I have the script. I can read it, but I know I added shit to it. So anyway, I'm going to play this, and uh, I'll probably talk over it and turn down and and so on and so forth, and we'll be on the backside on of, to the of whatever. So here we go. Story. Project Sandman. How many of you guys out there have heard of Project Sandman? Me. I would almost guarantee you that no one has raised their hand. And the reason I say this because... I'm not saying you I'm could tell I'm reading the script, <laughs> but I've never heard of it. So Chris sent me a thing yesterday. Uh, I think it was yesterday about Project Sandman. So I was like, "What the hell is that?" Okay. So what it is, Project Sandman describes a hundred-plus nation agreement that, when triggered, will see those nations simultaneously dump the dollar and abandon the petrodollar. The um, status has allowed the USA to enjoy 50 years of fiat currency, counterfeiting and material abundance at the expense of everyone else. When this decision is triggered, the dollar and all dollar-denominated assets will plunge to net zero literally overnight. Now, what does that mean? I have no idea because I'm not an accountant. No. So you've heard the term petrodollar. So back in the 70s, um, Nixon took us off the gold standard. And put us on the petrodollar. What is petrodollar? It's literally what it says. Petrodollar. So the dollar is not backed by gold anymore. So 
and is now backed by oil. So what that means is back in the prior to the 70s, you would literally have, maybe some of you guys had them or have them. Uh, they used to have $2 bills. They were called silver certificates. And they were literally worth gold, uh, not gold, silver. Um, our, our money was backed by gold. And there are some countries that are still like that. I mean, granted, they're just smaller countries, but um, they our money is not backed by gold. That's why a dollar is a dollar and gold might be $2,000, whatever the price of gold is right now. Um, but that's also why you go to a lot of other countries and you can use American money in these countries because some, a lot of places our money's worth more. I mean, even in Canada, I don't know what the exchange rate is currently, but last time I was there, I think it was like a, a dollar American money got you a dollar 25 in, um, Canada. And, um, it literally falls into a sense of situation. Like when I was a kid, we went to Canada. I mean, when I was, I don't know, eight, nine, ten, however old I was. And back then you had to um, exchange your money. You know, granted I, they had credit cards, but you didn't have the usage wasn't what it is nowadays. And what I mean by usage is a lot of everybody has credit cards, but pretty much everybody has a debit card. And that's what I mean by the usage so when we went to Canada a couple of years ago, we went to uh, Niagara Falls. The um, <clears throat> I was curious about that. Okay, well, how in the hell are we gonna like go out to dinner and do this and do that and whatever? Um, well, shit, I, I was just using my debit card. So it was like it was funny. You go out to dinner, right? And let's say Canada, you're eating at a can Canadian restaurant, whatever it was, and let's say it was a fifty dollar dinner, right? So here's my debit card. You know, they use it. You leave a tip, whatever, and then I look at my, you know, uh, my bank statement, my Bank of America on the app or whatever, and I was like, man, it was only forty something dollars. I thought it was sixty or whatever, you know. Well, the exchange rate it automatically fixes it, which was kind of cool, but it was it's just weird how how it works. But anyway, petrodollar. So, um, uh, this means all dollar denominated bank accounts, bonds, pension funds, treasuries, and other investment vehicles will essentially be worth zero for a simple reason that all banks and markets will freeze operations. So, um, before I read on here, um, so what this is saying is these 100-plus nations. Now, I don't have a list of all 100 nations. Now, we know Russia, China, I think India, Pakistan, uh, Iran, Iran. I mean, some of you. I, I just want to note that you noticed I, you noticed I hit all those. Uh, cool. Who cares about this? Was all before the brick shit come out. I'm just one hundred percent on board. Who gives a right. fuck about okay. these countries? The problem is, is we trade with so many of these countries' goods and buy so many of these places' goods. China. I mean, look in your closet. Guarantee you, fucking half your clothes in there, or shoes or whatever, are made in China. Or, you know, you might even have stuff made in Pakistan or India or Indonesia. These countries, there's, there's becoming a global hatred of this country. And it's because of shit like this that we're doing, where we feel like we have to be involved in everything, like we're just a big boy on the block. And, um, you know, when you have Zelensky coming out saying, talking about the Great Reset and the NWO and all this shit, and saying that, you know, Biden needs to be the leader of the world, 
the fuck he does. He can't lead him himself, let alone this country. He needs to be the leader of the world now. I'm sorry. Point being is these countries are basically ganging up against us. So we're we're the big boy on the block pushing our weight around and now there's a hundred plus people saying, Fuck that shit. We're tired of you bullying the world. And these are some powerful countries i mean it granted we all want to say usa we're the greatest we're number one no one can beat us and i'm all about that but if we're only of one and <laughs> you have a hundred plus nations in this situation i mean i don't know the exact number i know there's more than a hundred countries in this world but it's not a lot more than a hundred <laughs> I want to say it might be around 140. Um, so if it's 100 plus, that means we're, we're what, it's USA and maybe, what, 20, 30 other countries? And then who are those countries? Who has our back? I mean, we're powerful by ourselves, true. But if you look at the military might of China, Russia, and 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 the the population of these countries india is I, I think almost as if not more so populated in china i mean you got saudi arabia saudi arabia on this list you've got players on this list and they're tired of of the usa which you know what i'm actually not upset with what i'm upset with is the fact that in the last 50 years what Nixon did. Mind you, Nixon was a Republican. So don't don't get this twisted that this show is all we're pro Republican and fuck Democrats. Yeah, for the most part we are. But if there's a Democrat or a Republican that did some bullshit, we're gonna call them out too. And Nixon was probably one of the worst in the situation where he took us off the gold standard. He put us on the petrodollar. Also opened the door to China for trade. You, those things were worked in tandem. It was all part of the the great situation, the NWO situation. And I'm not going to make this an NWO show. That'll be a show for another day. But my point is, is when, when they did this, it took the American, made in America, the, the standard, you know, not to make a movie reference, and Chris makes fun of me because this is probably one of my favorite movies, but think about Back to the Future. When he goes back to, back in time, right, and he runs into... He goes to the doc's house and he's, you know, blah, blah, blah. I got struck, you know, uh, not struck by lightning, but, you know, he ended up back in 19, was it 1955 or whatever. And uh, when they're breaking things down and trying to fix whatever, the doc's like, well, no wonder this was made in Japan, you know. And it's like, all the best stuff's made in Japan, doc. What are you talking about? And what the hell? But back in the 50s, you know, pre-1970, the majority of everything that was sold, bought and sold in this country was made in this country. Okay? It wasn't until Nixon opened up the doors to to Asia that all this stuff happened. And then you had companies in this country of varying kinds move production to these countries because the wages were easier. You know, that we sit here and say all the time, the 1% must pay their fair share, blah, blah, blah. They're, they've all set their shit overseas, dude, because they're making their money over there. Like I've told you before, you could buy a $1,000 iPhone, right? 
It could be made in America for a hundred bucks, right? And Apple could profit nine hundred dollars. I'm just throwing numbers out. But over yonder there in China, it might be made for like ten dollars. So as a businessman, you don't necessarily care that it's made in America or made in China. What you care about is what that profit is in your pocket. And until we can stop that, we're never going to stop the other. So any funds you have in the stock market, so any money you have, if you work for a company that you buy stock in or you use your 401k or those types of things will be stuck in those markets and the entire infrastructure of banking and finance will suffer a catastrophic uh, liquidity crisis that will freeze nearly all financial tra transactions. So what that means is if you own a hundred shares in whatever, you'll still own a hundred shares, but they're going to be worth dog piss. Credit cards will also stop functioning. Food stamp system will go down and stay down. ATMs will not function. Wire transfers will be halted. Checks won't be honored at banks. Will appear to be offline when accessed through the internet, displaying maintenance messages to panicked users. The dollar collapse is a deliberate plan to force the starving masses into a digital dollar control grid. This scenario has been engineered for a deliberate collapse of the dollar fiat currency and an attempted forcing of everyone into a digital dollar system run by the banksters. In this midst of panic, people will be promised a universal basic income, food credits, uh, food rationing will be strictly enforced, but only if they use the approved digital wallet system run by, very, for, by the very same criminals who spent the last 50 years looting the value of the dollar. Desperate people will comply and they will sell their souls and their freedom in exchange for a few more meals, even when their futures are obliterated by the mark of the beast, financial system that will forever keep them enslaved and impoverished. Here, <clears throat> when the petrodollar ends, the riots won't be far behind. The illegitimate occupying government of America is currently pumping out trillions of dollars in fiat currency as its final desperate act to loot the system before its final collapse. I mean, you don't think that billions in aid to Ukraine was actually going to Ukraine, do you? Well, and that's interesting because, what was it? They signed a bill, like, last week, which was really a hidden bill for gun control, but nonetheless, no one's still not talking about that shit. $13.6 billion to Ukraine. And then dipshits coming out yesterday or day before, oh, we're going to give them a billion dollars. I thought we were giving them 13.6. Hmm. Interesting. War with Russia is just a cover story for this endangered collapse and long-planned takedown of America while the traitors at the top, Biden and so on and so forth, fill their bank accounts with stolen loot. When the petrodollar collapses and banks freeze, riots will begin almost immediately in every major U.S. city. Total chaos will reign as the desperate, oblivious, unprepared masses murder each other while attempting to find food, water, and ammunition. The collapse of the rule of law will, shocking, will be shockingly rapid, and no police or National Guard units will make it a dent in the nationwide chaos. Only the rural arrows will be safe, 
as local citizens and law enforcement work together to protect local communities from the wave after wave of refugees and violent gangs that will spread out from the cities. Justice will be swift for looters, rapists, and child traffickers, while local churches will be overrun with wet refugees uh, who previously lived in the collapsing cities. The death wave will be accelerated within just a few days after the collapse. Millions will be risked of death from lack of basic sanitation as the streets of Democratic-run cities flow with the feces of the crapping masses. With no functioning power grid, the municipal water supply will collapse as well. Entire cities like Los Angeles will be plunged into a deadly water sacrity scenario that's combined with such violence and lawlessness on the streets that even humanitarian aid organizations will not dare venture into the fray. The bottom line? Mass starvation, chaos, lawlessness, violence, disease, and depopulation. In other words, everything the globalists have uh, wanted for America all along. None of this is by accident. It's all planned. And the Bidens, the Clintons, and even the neocons like Bush have been a part of this plan since day one. This is the controlled demolition of the United States of America, just like Building 7. See, I did say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so I'm sorry about that, but I, got, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I think my, <laughs> my biggest problem here is I'm trying to build a brand. Here we go again. Here goes Don. Don't tread on America. Guys, real quick, whatever podcast app you're listening to this on, please subscribe to the show. It costs you literally zero cents. You're listening to the show. That means you love it, and it's your number one podcast, and I get it. So subscribe. And if you're able to leave a comment, a rating, a message, of how great I am, please do so. But most importantly, subscribe. Share this with your f- friends. Sorry, I got the hiccups. Anyway, so in that situation there, my whole my whole point was towards the end there was to scare you to death. No. And that's where the gold and silver conversation comes into. Yeah, okay. I'm going to say this about that. If... You are in a position in your life where you can afford to go buy some silver or gold. Okay, I think silver's trading around twenty-five cent twenty-five cents. Twenty-five dollars an ounce. Okay. By all means, go buy you some. But look back to I think it was last year, year before, when Sri Lanka their economy crashed. The people went fucking ape shit. Okay? That's in Sri Lanka. What do you think is going to happen here when people's debit cards and EBT cards and credit cards and cash isn't worth shit? What do you think is going to happen then? Okay, good. You bought your emergency food supplies. Good. You went to your grocery store and bought a shit ton of canned foods. Great. How are you going to protect yourself your family, and all that stuff you bought. Because God hopes that you bought a gun and a fucking shit ton of ammo. Because, in my opinion, that 
is going to be worth more than any silver or any gold. Because I don't want to encourage this lawlessness. Lawlessness. Of course, I had 20 minutes of whiskey drinking while you guys are listening to that, but you're welcome. But I and the people I know are going to be protected because they have some guns. They have some ammo. And I don't even have some ammo. I have some's ammos. <laughs> uh, hopefully, you bought some food. Whether you went to one of these you know, emergency food supply companies and was dropped a grand on three months of food supply, cool. Or if you went to your local grocery store and bought some canned foods, cool. Or water or whatever. Um, that's great. But like I said, when the angry mob that doesn't listen to the show or any other shows telling you similar things, what are you going to do when those people come showing up at your house? That's the stuff you have to be thinking. Are you going to throw fucking silver coins at them? So I think that's the point of, do you need silver? If shit hits the fan, your silver coins and gold coins and bars and what, that ain't going to do nothing for you. Because when it comes down to you, to it, people are going to want goods for goods. They're not going to want money or gold or silver because let's just assume the market crashes and the U.S. dollar is worth absolutely zero. If and when, I should say, or hopefully when, but if the the U.S. economy rebounds and, and we believe that that would be the case because it's always been the case. That doesn't mean your dollar bill or your 20 or your 50 or your hundreds or your thousands that you have stashed in the drawer somewhere are going to be worth anything because what if they switch to the digital currency or switch to the DUI or whatever? Oh, you can trade those that $1,000 you have stashed in the sock in, but now it's only worth 50 bucks. And that's kind of my point to all this is... <laughs> You might want to get prepared. I've said this time and time and time again. Food, great. Water, excellent. Maybe things to purify water, even better. But how are you going to protect yourself? That is key. But... I know I'm running long, and I'm going to finish this because I've got four more things to talk about, so tough shit. You guys are going to have to hold on. So a new currency, the BRICS, has been developing for some time now, and now you have Saudi and Iran thinking of joining in, which I talked about last year. <laughs> the BRICS countries, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, have been working towards developing a new currency for quite some time now. In recent news, there's been that Saudi and Iran might join as well. The, the idea is to create an alternative to U.S. dollar as global reserve currency, and this could have significant consequences for the U.S. Now, I'm going to say this about all of that. Their thought process, the BRICS 
peoples, nations, whatever, thought process is that they will create their money to replace the dollar bill. I don't necessarily see that happening as much as it being in competition with the dollar bill because you're only at this point, you're only talking about maybe 10 countries out of 100 and however many. What, what worries me is more and more are signing up. Okay? Now, whether it's for fear of China and Russia, I don't know. Um, some of these countries use the dollar as their currency, and that's where your problem lies. So currently, the U.S. dollar is the world's dominant currency, and it uses it's used as a reserve currency by many countries around the world. That means the countries hold U.S. dollars to store value and conduct international trade. Point being, you go to Southeast Asia with $200 in your pocket of ones, fives, and tens, and the, the kid takes your bags up to your hotel room. You give him $1, and you are his best fucking friend. You peel a dollar off your fucking roll, are you going to miss that dollar? No, but you just made a fucking friend for life. And I'm not lying when I tell you that. <clears throat> However, the BRICS countries were to use their new currency as reserve currency. It would reduce the demand for the U.S. dollar and lead to decline in its value. Now, like I said, Operation Sandman is in effect. It's not in effect now. It's been in effect. This isn't new. Like I've said time and time again, nothing happens automatically. It takes time. This Operation Sandman has been in effect for probably about 20 years. Okay? Since then, you've had, you're on your fourth president since then. Okay? I think it started with Bush. Not that he started it. I think he pissed enough people off that they were like, this is bullshit, we're doing something about it. Obama didn't help. I think Trump might might have delayed it a little bit because people were worried about what he would do. They, you know, oh, he's crazy. He's got nuclear football. Okay, well, that fucking kind of worked. Love Trump or hate Trump? I'm going to say this about that. When Trump was running for president, wasn't a fan. Didn't vote for him I, in the initial. I voted for Ted Cruz. Then, yeah, I voted for Trump for president because God knows I wasn't voting for fucking Hillary Clinton. Um, so love Trump or hate Trump, you cannot sit here and tell me your 401k was not in better shape. Your stock wasn't in better shape. You know, the things you, <laughs> gas was a, at a decent price. Now it's at, what, 350 or so, and it's on the rise because... What Saudi and China just said, eh, I think we're going to cut back on production. Right? Not that China has anything to do with that. China doesn't produce oil. China, wink, wink, nudge, nudge to the Saudis and said, you know, what about this? Because, why? Why would they do that? 
because we hold the petro dollar. Get it? These countries don't like us. And right now, China has got a lot of influence. For whatever reason. Like I said, since 1944, our money has been used as a world currency. Why? Because people were afraid of us. I think China's found our playbook and they're running with it, so to speak. So... The BRICS countries that are involved right now, they, they are the world's largest GDP block, right? And uh, I talked about this. And if you want to compare the BRICS to NATO or even just the G7, Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, United Kingdom, and U.S., um, we're, we're in competition, but <laughs> you're missing something here. You have France, you have Germany, you have these countries already making deals with China. So, can we rely on them for a GDP backer, so to speak? Whatever reason, whatever whatever Pre President G or whatever the fuck his name is over there is telling Macron and these other fuckers, they're listening. When are we going to listen? In the meantime, all this shit's going on and we're worried about Donald Trump being arrested and Alvin Bragg shouldn't have done this. I know I talked about it. I'm guilty. I get it. Guys, when I tell you to share a show, to share this podcast, this <laughs> is the show you need to share. It's coming. Whether it happens tomorrow, next month, or two years from now. Oh, Don, and, and I think that's the problem. So when me and Chris started this show, we've, we've talked like this for years prior to doing the show. And like well, I'm going to use his wife for an example. She... Um, she would get worried. Like, we would have a conversation about whatever. And she, oh, my God, is that true? Is that true? And, oh, yeah, it's, it, it's coming sooner or later. Now, mind you, even when we started doing the show, if you go back and listen to maybe not our first, <laughs> if you maybe start at show number four, four or five, because for the first ten shows, we were trying to figure out how to figure this audio. That was days when I'm like, talk. <laughs> And Chris sounded like he was outside. He's like, yeah, how's it going? <sighs> but our content was on point. But Chris would say some shit that I was like, what the fuck is he talking about? I never said it on the show. I didn't like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? You're fucking crazy. Get out of here. I never, that conversation never took place. I, But I remembered. And then there's a few things that he said that a month, two, three, four, five, six months later came to fruition. The problem is, is when you talk to some people about things that the, um, if they don't happen automatically, you're full of shit. Now, mind you, when I did the show last March that I played for you guys earlier, 
and and I talk about the bricks and Sandman and all this stuff. I didn't talk about bricks per se, but I did mention the countries. But no one else was talking about that. So if you listen to the show, and like I said, I have a feeling I might have lost a chunk of, of listeners at that point. Because who the fuck am I, right? And uh, I think that was a situation where people were like, and even if they didn't drop the show then, they may have uh, dropped the show shortly thereafter because they were probably like, eh, this dude's full of crap. This stuff never happened. He don't know what he's talking about. Cool. I get it. But where are we at now, a year later? Okay? That doesn't mean tomorrow is going to happen. It might be another year. It might be another five years. The whole point of me saying the things I'm saying to you is for you to get ready. For me to get ready. For my friends and my family that no one listens to. (laughs) I'm not for nothing. No one in my family listens to this show. Why? Whatever. Uh, not that they hear it from me because we don't spend a lot of time together because shock. No one likes me. <laughs> but um, when the shit hits the fan, I'm going to be ready. Are you going to be ready? All right, guys. With that being said, no. <laughs> So uh, am I going to read this, Breeze? Blah, blah, blah. No, it's pretty much everything. So the currency. So just to give you a brief overview, the top 10 countries, okay, their money versus our money, okay? So basically, the dollar, you take, if you took $1 bill, $1, and went to Europe, and you wanted a euro, you said, I need, I got a dollar, I need a euro. You, well, you're going to need more money than a dollar. You're going to need a dollar oh eight. British pound, you're going to need a dollar twenty three. So what, what does that mean? Their money, a dollar of American money is only 80 cents in, in Britain. It's only 92 cents in for the euro. But in Indy, Indy, Indian Ripree, I don't know what that is, maybe in India, um, one dollar is worth almost eighty-two dollars of their money. In Australia, it's a buck fifty. Canada, buck thirty-five. So, you you might be asking, what is what does it all mean, Vassal? Okay, if I go to Canada, okay, just for quick math, if I go to Canada and I see something in a Canadian store that's ten dollars. I'm thinking, okay, it's $10. And I use my debit card. Okay? It's only going to be seven seven forty, seven thirty five, whatever. Or, I'm sorry. Se- yeah, seven forty, seven fifty five, whatever it is. You see what I'm saying? So, <laughs> but it was $10. It was $10 Canadian money. Once you do the exchange, it's only... Because it's 73 cents on a dollar. You understand what I'm saying? So, some countries are dollars way more. Some, it's less. Now, I'll say this. 
One, two, three countries. Four. It's less, but not dramatically less. It's not like there's a dollar and it's worth a penny in these other countries. It's like 80, 90 cents. But the majority of the world, the countries that don't use the dollar as their currency, it's worth... I mean, Argentina, for example, $212 for one American dollar. If you go to Argentina, say so what is Rio, Rio didn't, that's in Brazil. So what is Brazilian? Brazilian is $5. So if you went to Brazil, if you went to Rio de Janeiro, right, for, for vacation, let's say you got it like that, you're going to Rio, you're like going to party, you can see Jesus on the, on the mountain, right? And you take your $200 in cash, you got your ones, your fives, your tens, whatever. The guy takes your bags up to your room. You give him a $5 bill, a $5 American bill. You just gave him 25 bucks in Brazilian money. If you gave him a 10, it's 50. You understand what I'm saying? That's your exchange rate. If you go to Chile, for whatever reason, 800 in $18 for one U.S. dollar. Can you imagine? You go to the Chine- Ch- Chilean Inn in Chile, I don't know any cities in Chile, so pardon me. And you stay at the local hotel there and you're having fun and you're drinking some local liquor and you're just checking out the sights and you and your wife and you're having fun. You got your $200 and ones and fives and tens. And you slip the the bellboy a five, a fisky, a five. You are a fucking hero. You just gave that dude four fucking grand in his money. Four grand, but it was only a five, <laughs> right? Do the exchange. Go to Colombia. A dollar bill, one one dollar, forty five hundred. Dollars, actually four forty-five sixty-one to be exact. Use my scenario. I just went, got the bags. The bellboy took the bags up to the room. Here you go, buddy. Here's five bucks. You might get a hand job. I'm just saying, because <laughs> you just gave that dude twenty grand, and that's that's the power of the dollar. Okay, back Desert Storm, go to Iraq, go to Kuwait. At the time, they were they were giving you, and Kuwait's Kuwait's a rich company or company country, and they were they were giving hundreds of dollars for like Levi's or Nikes or you know whatever just T-shirts. And you say, oh, so if I got $100 from Kuwait, what does that matter? Well, in Kuwait, our dollar bill is only worth $0.30. Cents. So their $100 is like $300, right? So the exchange works both ways. <laughs> but anyway, my point being is this. For the most part, with the exception of a handful of countries, our $1 bill is worth more than their one dollar bill. In some 
cases, it's significantly, significantly more. What happens if this BRICS thing's successful? And let's just say, let's just say it's only ten countries. Let's just say it's Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, uh, Saudi Arabia, Iran, Turkey, um, Argentina, um, and whoever else. Let's just say it's ten countries. Well, if those ten countries, if their GDP surpasses our GDP, forget about the G7, that devalues our dollar. Especially if these are countries like China and and Saudi and whatever that we do business with. Like I've said before, go in your closet. Tell me how many shirts are made, or your shoes, or your underwear, or whatever that are made in China. You know, right now, as far as our president that we have is concerned, we don't produce oil. We're going green, baby. Hopefully, that'll change in the next year and a half. But in the meantime, it kind of is what it is. Wait till the summer hits. Gas always goes up in the summer, and we're at in Florida. We're at like three fifty something a gallon. It's gonna be five dollars come summertime. Bet your bet your ass. Come Memorial Day, five dollars, guaranteed. Why? Well, it's summertime. Gas goes up. Period. Saudis cutting production. You know why? Because they don't give a fuck about us. They're in cahoots. They're part of it. Anywho, I think that's all I got for you guys today. I think that was a good Monday show. I had a rough weekend, and I, I came in strong and heavy. Here I am. All right, guys, so please, like I said before, whatever podcast app you're listening to this on, please share this with the show. Follow us on um, Facebook, Instagram, and if you want to follow on TikTok, i got to get back to doing some drinks. I got some things to say about TikTok and 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 the restriction act and stuff. I'll get into that on Wednesday. Um, anywho, uh, follow us there. Don't tread on America, and on uh, Twitter at dtom underscore seventeen seventy five. And like I said, if you guys want to donate to the help a brother get a new uh, soundboard, maybe update some of his equipment. Fun, by all means, do so. <laughs> I'm not gonna let that stop me. Um, Sometimes you do what you got to do and you worry about it on the backside. But I want to bring you the best show possible. So, anywho, check us out at DontTreadOnAmerica.com. Guys, please, whatever podcast you're listening to this on, share this with your friends. Subscribe to the show. If whatever sh- uh, app you're on has a rating system, give us a good rating. And, uh, hey, you know what? I'm out of here. I'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday. You have a great Monday. What's left of it, anyway?